Blog Talk Radio. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Happy Thursday, y'all. Welcome to Let's Chat. Hey, T. Hey, Alicia, girl. How you doing this Thursday evening, girl? I'm okay, child. Girl, I got an ear infection. I don't even know how I got it, but I got it. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, huh? Does it hurt? Does it hurt? No, no. My ears don't hurt, my throat hurt, but I've been, you know, the fan on. Mm-hmm. But my ears don't hurt. Oh, boy. Well, speedy recovery. I know those are no joke. <laughs> so I'm still trying to figure out how I got it. I don't know. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Welcome to Let's Chat, y'all. I am Miss Leisha, and you know I got my right hand, and half the time she is my left, the fabulous Miss Tony. We are talking that talk about more Brandon, more Brandon, more Brandon. You get it? You get you get it? <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> yes, y'all. I'm about to tell y'all up front. You need pencils. You need paper. You need to take notes because we got some people on here that's about to drop plenty of jewels, 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 jewels. We a jewelry store today. <laughs> That's a good thing, Lish. And first of all, before we get into our show, we want to thank everybody that came out to the kickback last weekend. Lish and I had a great time. Let's chat was all up in the building, meeting new authors, meeting old friends. And as a result, we got some great shows coming your way just from that afternoon at the Atlanta kickback. So thank you guys so much. And for those that heard that we were in the building and came over and introduced themselves, we appreciate you and thank you as well. Yes, I always it always freaks me out when people are so excited. Like, oh my god, you're here! I'm like, yes. <laughs> I don't even know, but the fact that they're excited to see me, I'm excited because I'm like, oh my god, hey, child. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it really is a blessing, Lish, and uh, we so appreciate everyone that contributes to the show. Because without you guys, Lish and I would just be sitting here every Thursday and Friday just talking to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so we do appreciate y'all. All y'all who stream the, the replay, all y'all who call in, all y'all who just listen in, whether you listen to us on iTunes, whether you catch us on the iPad, uh, iPod, um, iPod, uh, a podcast <laughs> app. We appreciate every last one of you. We got a great, great show here for you today on Let's Chat. We got the literary lobbyist, Don Michelle Hardy. We got from Buzz PR, Sarah Busby. And then we have the director of branding and development for Crave Magazine, Sheldon H. Horton. Y'all, it's about to go down, y'all. So look, dig this. We're talking about branding, and branding is very important. We're talking about building your brand. We're talking about um, creating your brand, building your brand, your image, all of that. All of that. Your brand is part of your eye candy, right? Uh And some people don't understand branding. They don't understand that you can't connect everybody to your brand. They don't understand that you you do have to have a certain image when you have a brand. You know, you you got to mm-hmm. walk a certain way. You got to be a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. And they don't understand, like, in the words of Keisha Green, books are a business. But in any industry, mm-hmm. you have to know how to brand yourself. You have to be sellable. You have to have confidence and you have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely got my pen and paper ready because uh, it's going to be a learning evening. We have three fabulous guests, like we says, and they're all going to be dropping their individual jewels. So just get ready, sit back, and get those pens and paper popping. Yes, I'm so excited. You know, we do a lot in the literary world. And again, shout out to everybody that came to the kickback. Shout out to 556 Book Chicks. That was a, another awesome event. Um mm-hmm. Make sure you guys tune in. In August, there will be the National Book Club Conference. We'll be here in Atlanta, um, and mm-hmm. we'll be dropping information on that. We got some fabulous guests coming up, so I'm excited about what we got going on over here on Let's Chat Child. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. You know, and it's always uh, a nice thing, like the event in Atlanta last, last week, Leash. You get to... Um, meet all different types of authors from all different walks of life as well as all different genres. And you get to see how they hustle their books, how they get out there, and they listen and talk to the readers. And I love to see how they interact amongst themselves, author to author. That's a beautiful thing, you know, because sometimes you can get all caught up in the nonsense, but when you see true authors really loving their craft and expanding their brand, that's a wonderful thing to see. Absolutely, and you know, I know a lot of authors, they are out there, they grind their books. You know, we love Mike and Molly here on this show, and I, I mm-hmm. always I'll talk about the um, episode where she, she gets to the publisher after, you know, she gets her book done, and he gives her a hard copy, not just any old copy, it's something about a hard copy that is just like, oh, so he gives her a hard copy, it's all in color, she's admiring her picture on the back, he takes it and he throws it to the across the room, and it's like now you got to sell yourself and your book. And you know, a lot of people don't. They think that the hardest part about um, writing a book is the writing part. But while you're writing it, you got to think about how you're gonna market it. 
you know, you got to think about how you're going to build your fan base. You got to think about all of those things come into that process. And then uh-huh. after you write it, then that's where the real work starts because now you got to get your book out there. You got to get your name out there. You, you have to be able to get your brand moving. Uh-huh. That's so true. And uh, there were some, some new authors there as well, and they, they looked and watched how the seasoned authors move. So it's always a learning experience, uh, the new as well as the seasoned. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. We appreciate y'all coming to kick it with us here on Let's Chat. We're going to take a brief break, and when we we come back, we'll be talking that talk with the fabulous Sheldon H. Horton. Okay. I'm trying to get that. Uh, let's hit you with some Georgia Clay. Okay. Busting my tail on a nine to five just to keep up, try to stay alive. Promise my lady we gon' be alright. She be crying while she praying for a better life. Hustling on the side for a bag of rice. Gotta feed the fam, gotta pay the price. Gotta keep trucking through this Georgia Clay. Gotta stay searching for a better day Gotta keep my faith to make a way Gotta get extended so the gas can pay Sweet Georgia, hold me down Keep my feet planted on solid ground From the New York coast to the Florida shine Up to the Maryland, D.C. line Back down south, red peaches prime Sweet Georgia Thank you. 
Yes, we are back. We are back. Welcome to Let's Chat. I am Miss Leisha. You know I got my right hand, and most of the time she is my left, the fabulous Miss Tony. We are talking that talk tonight about more branding, more branding, more branding. Y'all get that? Y'all get it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It's going to be a branding type of night with our three fabulous guests in the chat room this evening. Absolutely. We're going to kick it off with the king of branding. He is the director of branding and development for Crave Magazine, the awesome Sheldon H. Horton. Hey, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. How y'all doing? We are good. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with us tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now for all of those who are not worried, who are not aware about the fabulous See, you got them them hands. You got them them okay. them, them them artist hands, them creative hands. Like Tell everybody a little bit about your journey into the um, magazine world, the modeling world, your creativeness. Well, in- interesting enough, um, I've been in 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 this uh, field for a very long time. Um, I I started out as a performer, that's singing, dancing, gymnastics, and all of that. So I've always been in, in front. I've, I went to a school of the arts that at a very young age I was exposed to a number of different disciplines, um, different disciplines of dance, um, fashion. Um, the young lady that actually opened the dance school that I went to was a professional model. So I was always captivated captivated by beauty and everything else. So um, when I became probably around my early 20s, I don't want to date myself too much. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in my early 20s, I met an amazing young lady who was an absolute master at what she did. She influenced me so much that um, being a former job course student, I saw the entire demographic change by this woman's touch to all oh. the other sisters that were on the job for. And um, I was in college then. As a matter of fact, I was um, in my sophomore year in college, and I told her, I was like, I want to do that. Didn't realize later um, that, you know, then with a, uh, through a defining moment, that my whole purpose in life was to be sure that the lives I come in contact with are better when I leave them than they were when I found them. Hmm, and so I had to, I had, I, I wanted a piece. So interesting enough, you know, I went on, I graduated from college, um, and years after that, I just could not shake, you know, like the beauty, the hair and everything else. After I graduated from college, I got a degree. I went to beauty school. Um, went to beauty school, mm-hmm. um, fell in love with it. Fell in love with hair and the beautifying um, women and just changing lives. And one day I was looking at a magazine, and um, uh, the Mazza magazine. I don't know if um, you guys are familiar with that, M-A-Z-Z-A. And it was by Natalie mm-hmm. Spencer and Eddie Spencer. Um, they were major contributors um, to that magazine. And I want to say they were the creators. But she was a makeup artist. And um, she did a, 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 a before and after that changed my life. Now, understand, yeah. after I became convinced to do that, that 
I just felt like if you just look at these pictures about two, three more months and keep buying makeup, one day what you see on that page is going to jump in your uh, on into your hand like osmosis, and you are going to be able to touch those women, and you're going to make them beautiful instantly. Man, look at <laughs> my mom and my sister. Let me practice, and I will never show you those pictures. <laughs> when I say they look a hot mess, my sister looked like a geisha. She was four shades too light, not to mention that I put on a cool-based powder on her face, and she was ashy as the dead. And do you know that they walked out of that house and went to Bible study and sat up there all night with them faces? Oh, my goodness. Thank God things have changed. Thank God things have changed. Talk about loving your craft. Talk about loving your craft. No, talk about loving your people. Right, they they some going love. in there like they face was beat. They like, uh uh-uh. uh, your mom said, My baby did this. You better you better go on over there. Yeah, we look good. Look, and, and right now I like to say that um that sister was beat without bruises. Uh their sister was kinda of bruised that day. <laughs> they were kinda of bruised that night. Oh, yeah, but hey mom sisters, baby, I love y'all. Thank y'all so much for your patronage. <laughs> Oh, I love it. So, because I got a question, because God, you know, he has truly, truly unleashed your hands of creativity Mm -hmm. and anointed the eye. I want to go into a crave. What what, what made you start craving or get into, you know, get involved in Crave Magazine and and just take everything that you have uh, placed your hands on and throw it all in one? Well, here's the thing. Um, the creator of Crave is Will, um, it, it, and, and we're based out of um, Texas, and he has been doing an amazing job at just kind of ex- uh, expanding the brand and building teams and, 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 and people along the way. Um, I got involved with Crave through uh, Christy Lux, who is the editor-in-chief of Crave magazine. Mother. And it all started... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I um yeah, that's my girl too. And um, you know, and, and, and it all started first through Stevie Bags, who is a uh he's like my brother, very good uh friend mm-hmm. of mine. Congratulations to him and his lady who are now engaged. Um oh, but um I got um you know, in, involved through him and I just you know, I started with But here's the thing, for around um all my life I've been around sets. Um, I've been working sets, uh, you know. So when I get on set, I just, you know, do me. And the chemistry was amazing. Um, we got an opportunity to touch some um, some, some great um, lives. And, you know, I was just like, listen, we don't have this type of magazine uh-huh. Like just one that caters to you know just 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 the brothers and the, and and the sisters you know because you know crave although it is full of men it's not a gay magazine so let's put that out there it's a it's it's, it's it really is a magazine for women fashion and men of fashion I got involved because I really believed in the brand I thought it was amazing 
um, it was strong in its imagery. It was strong in the people that it put up front. It was strong mm-hmm. in all of its talent, and I just wanted to be a part. So I just got in, got involved. I love mm-hmm. it. I love mm-hmm. it. So when you guys have uh, somebody new that comes on the team um, and they need to have that, that branding, they need to be branded, they need to have that direction, what is one of the first things you tell them? Well, well here's the thing. Branding sometimes is more simple than people think because branding really is automatic. If you think about it, if you just post a picture, that's branding. Now, there's automatic branding and there's intentional branding. But you're going to brand whether you want to or not. So what Mm -hmm. what we do at at, at Crave, really it is about the magazine, about the industry. Um, Personally, when we tell people to brand, one, you have to be consistent. You got to be consistent when it comes to a brand. You don't, you, you know, you don't jump in and out. Just talking to a sister yesterday on a magazine um, shoot, and we're just letting her know that, hey, it's okay for you to post your vacations and all of that, but at the end of the day, people sometimes really don't even want to know that. If you're here for a business, stay consistent to the theme. Crave is fashion. Crave is health. It's cuts. And and we try to stay consistent with that. Mm-hmm. Consistency, yes, that is the key to almost everything. Now, when you started out and you were mm-hmm. looking at all these things that were just you were just dominating. You know, you were really finding mm-hmm. things that you really messed with. You were really, really, really finding your your direction. Did you ever think you'll be doing what you're doing right now? Um, interesting enough, the dreams seem a lot realer, <laughs> if there's a word, before you start. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> Once you get into it, that's when the work kicks in, and then your mind changes, and then you're like, God, dude. You know, when you were a child, yeah, you did imagine having all of these great aspirations and doing a lot of things. But then when you start putting in the work, you get into the politics and you see, you know, how it really is the business. And then sometimes, you know, you're like, no, nah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Because there was a time that I bumped into a, a talent that literally almost made me put down my brushes. And um, mm. I was working on a television set, and um, there was a gentleman that called me from um, – California, and he was, you know, asking me my availability to work on the set, and I was like, man, no, I'm I'm not available, and, you know, he talked to me, and he said, look, man, when I book you for something, I need you to, you know, be available. I don't care what happens, you know, And, 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 and I was young in the industry, and, you know, a lot of people, they do yearn for this industry, but it's more than a notion. You get what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. You deal with mm-hmm. people. You deal with people that are everywhere. They they talk to a lot of people. There are a lot of people that have um, burned them. Um, they have a uh, little trust and all of that. And then sometimes it becomes very difficult to be in these settings and, um, you know, work like that. But that brother snapped me out of that thing, and, boy, I've been painting every cent. Now, here's the thing. I don't think that I've arrived, though. Mm-hmm. So I heard you use the word dominate. I, I don't really think that that I dominate because, I, of course, I love, you know, saying sharing, and I, I just kind of feel like it's so many more people 
that are more fired than I am. You know what I'm saying? I just love what I do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, Selman, this is Tony, and once again, thank you for joining us here tonight. Thanks, Tony. What has been, hey, what has been your biggest takeaway since you've been working with the Crave uh, magazine and their crew? That if you keep doing it, you will definitely, definitely rise to the top. That is one of the takeaways. It is professional. It is clean. It is strong in its imaging. It's strong in its uh, uh, editorials. It's it's, it's strong in in, in the things that it posts. Um, It's a very strong brand. But, you know, Mm. although it may not have, you know what I'm saying, you know, the visibility that, you know, we like because with every brand, you know, it's all about expansion. You want to get bigger. You, you you want people to know who you are because when it comes to mm-hmm. branding, it's about making your brand their decision. So, of course, it, mm-hmm. it's that, but, I mean, the Crave is an amazing, an, an amazing um, conglomerate um, with um, all that um, he has, um, Will, and the team has rolled out. So yeah, that has been one of my biggest takeaways. Stay consistent. Stay consistent. Mm-hmm. We've had, yes, we've had some of the members of the Crave team on the show, and one thing that we, Lucia and I both can say is they are the epitome of professionalism. You know, from Christy mm-hmm. to Rico, to Rico, Christy, we mm-hmm. absolutely love them, and they are the epitome of professionalism as well as niceness. Christy is amazing. <laughs> Christy yes. is amazing. She knows she what is. she does. I mean, she she worked very hard um, in this market mm-hmm. because Crave does, you know, have two um, strong markets of hubs. One is Atlanta right. and definitely Texas. And, man, mm-hmm. Christy has done her thing. Hats off to her. Absolutely. I love it. Okay, now, I want to talk about a little bit about what you've learned about yourself throughout your journey? What I learned throughout myself, um, that's interesting because I glean from other people. One of the things that um, that comes to mind right now is um work with uh, Marcus Houston once on film. And I was like, brother, you know, you've been around for a very, very long time. And I was like, how do, you, how, how do you maintain without, you know, just a whole bunch of extra? You're not always in the news and, you know, stuff like that. He said, because I am surrounded by people that mm. let me know that I am nothing <laughs> and mm-hmm. that who I, what I do don't make who I am. And interesting enough, you know, and if I, I can, you know, just deposit some encouragement, so often we get sidelined because we mistaken what we do for who we are. And I learned that my gift is my gift, and I am sheltered. And that's one of, that's one of, that that is really, really important because sometimes even when you're in this business, as a, as, as, as a professional, sometimes it gets lean. Sometimes, you know, the business is coming and, boy, you can't stop the phone from ringing. And then sometimes you like, God, please, like, let somebody call. <laughs> but, you know, what I've learned is to be grateful in the high times and graceful in the low times. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's deep. 
That's that's really deep. This is Tony again, Southern. Now let's flip that. What Alicia just asked you, and if you had your protege that was walking with you side by side in the business, how would you go about teaching him to, to the professionalism of this business? Because it could be a rocky business. Right. Well, first I would start with integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I am always in the home of celebrities. I am in the home of dignitaries, and the one thing you have to have is integrity. You're, you're around the mm-hmm. personal items, you're around the families. Um, sometimes it's just not convenient for them to get up and have a conversation because you're in a time crunch. Right. So you have to hear, don't hear, see, don't see. They know mm. who is unleashing information because sometimes they test you. And I've oh, been through those tests before. You know what I'm saying? Really? Because and, and that, uh-huh. that, that that is happening. Yeah, when you can go and and talk about their lives and get over hundred thousand dollars or up to fifty thousand dollars, twenty five thousand dollars just for information that might not even be true. Uh-huh. It's an industry, and a lot of times uh-huh. that you know I was you know I, I know of situations where makeup artists have been cornered in the same way because they've been tested. So the first thing would be would be integrity. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, be, be integral. Don't don't you know? Stay stay in your lane. You know when you're working with other artists. You know help only when asked. You know what I'm saying? Look helpful, but help only when asked. Because sometimes you know you can be over helpful and in the good intentions and do the wrong thing. So stay mm-hmm. in your lane. If my protege was was with me, you know always always come to work um, looking. Amazing, because you are your advertisement. Uh-huh. Again, branding is automatic, whether you do it or not. What you say, what you do, who you am, who you are, and how you present yourself is just always right. out front, period. I don't care whether you want to or not, and the truth is we don't have the luxury to turn branding off. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Wow. Absolutely, because somebody you know, is always of, looking at you making a decision. You know, a lot uh-huh. of times people they always are quick to say when you say, "Okay, about your brand, I'm not a brand." You know, they they don't recognize that um, that's what they are. I think whenever you step forward in your vision to do whatever you're going to do, you know, it's important that that they recognize that. How do you get your clients to recognize that? Oh no, you are a brand. Like starting today, you're a brand. How do I get my customers to realize that I am a brand or they are a brand? That they are a brand because you have to encourage them. Um interesting enough, my be, because of who I am, my 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 clients understand what image is and what it what role it plays in my life. So they know, <laughs> like, you know, you know how you get with, with your hairstyle is almost like your therapist, your pastor, <laughs> your, your husband, you know, the everything, you know. And, and when a sister walks in in the um, in the salon, I look at her, you ain't wrapped your hair last night. Well, I knew I was coming here. <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> no, ma'am. You, you don't get to take no break now. <laughs> you need that wrapped up every night. Simply because, and, and interesting enough, in, in this situation, my brand is closely connected to their brand because mm-hmm. people are making decisions about me. 
about what they see mm. on right. my clients. So mm. it's it's really it really is like I'm I'm always they know the importance of. So and I'm always encouraging them. And it's interesting because in this business they say sometimes your clients start to look like you after a while. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Oh Lord! <laughs> you be like, I know you were thinking like, ooh, do I really look like this? No. <laughs> with that, with that being said, though, Sheldon, this is Tony again. We try to let you know who you're talking to because we sound so much mm-hmm. alike. We've been told. But, but in that same frame of mind, how do you keep your work authentic? You know, how do you keep your work Sheldon? You know, though, interesting enough, um, that is a great question. As artists, we get inspiration from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my thing is Always make it yours Inspiration is fine Just make it yours Inspiration is good mm-hmm. But copycats eh, Not so much mm-hmm. And there's always a special something It's almost like a, a, a thumbprint That we have That we always add to it It's almost like singers They got a special little something That always points out What they do Or who they are You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because when right. Sandra LaBelle opened her mouth, it ain't no two ways about who that is. To me, uh. when, when so many different people open their mouth, there's, there's, no, um, there's no question about who they are. And I just feel like we all possess that special something that just make our work um, what it is. And they do put a lot of heart in their work. Man, I love people. I love my clients, mm-hmm. and I love... I, I just love being in the space. I, you know, I've been in this business a long time. I've seen children be born and graduate from high school. You know, so my clients mean a lot to me. So I, I, I would say putting heart into my work uh-huh. is definitely, definitely keeps me different. And you know what? Wow, you know TLC, that. Uh-huh. You can see uh-huh. TLC. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> But you know that that can go across the board in any area of of work that you do. Always make your work your work. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's mm-hmm. a, I'm gonna start that. Herschel, that's a good you one. That's to. a good one. And I just mm-hmm. want to piggyback yeah. off of that, making your work yours, because in the literary world, as an author, an author mm-hmm. they have a signature style in their books. So, mm-hmm. as an artist yourself, what describe your signature look? That you that's something that they know that's Sheldon. Well, interesting enough, because I do a number of things. Um, one, hair, makeup, production, um, writing. I, I do a lot of things. I'm just a talented brother. I just like arts. I I like when it comes to doing makeup. I would, I think my signature would be natural. I have a I have a, a, a a measure that I always use when it comes to um, uh, makeup, hair and makeup. If you're wearing weave, it should look like your hair. If you're wearing hair, hair should look like weave. And Mm -hmm. it's the opposite, but think about it. When when someone walks up to your natural hair and say, oh, my God, is that weave, that is the biggest compliment. <laughs> you right. know what I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, but when you have a head full of weed, and you walk up to someone and you says, "Oh my God, your hair is so pretty," and they have to discover that is weed, 
Bingo, you score it again. You get what I'm saying? Because all it's saying mm. that, you know what I'm saying, that the hair looks amazing. Like, any any time that you say that natural hair looks like weave, you're just saying that it's amazing. It's amazing hair. Wow. I never took it that way because I've been asked a few times whether my hair was a weave. And, I, I you know, first, first impression is to get offended. But now to hear how you explain you it, it. I, have, I have to look at it differently perfect. now. Because <laughs> weave is perfect. Good oh, weave yeah. is perfect. Wow. Yeah, so it's a compliment. You just taught us something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so so now you got a, a a head full of weave, and someone comes up to you and says, oh, my gosh, your hair is so beautiful. You say, yeah, I just got it. I got this weave done. Weave? Oh, my God, is that weave? Another mm-hmm. <laughs> I see right. it now. I can see it. Because <laughs> I definitely used to get offended, and now I have to change my attitude. That's a compliment. And that's a compliment. Wow. So, so, so with me, natural is good. I deal with a lot of women, and I learned a long time ago, um, women that have to wear weave and have to wear makeup don't want to look like mm-hmm. You get what mm. I'm saying? Especially okay. if they have to wear it every single day. Like, you can tell, like, when I, when I do, like, women that aren't used to it, not, not, not the glam mm-hmm. chicks, I got to use half mm-hmm. a body, just make it look natural. But wow. the women that aren't used to it, like today I uh, was was doing uh, makeup for a, a show, and it's over um, one, the, the creator of AfricanAncestry.com, and she's not used to wearing makeup. This Gina, she's an amazing person. I love her. And she she's not used to wearing makeup. So because she's not used to wearing mm-hmm. makeup, a fingernail full is too much. Mm. Wow. You get what I'm saying? So uh-huh. everybody is different. Everybody is different. She doesn't have to wear it every day, but she doesn't want to look like it. And I right. deal with that all the time. And, 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 and people sit in my chair, and you can tell the, the, the people that aren't comfortable with it, both men and women, because they start talking about a whole bunch of makeup-related stuff. <laughs> that might not have anything to do with what you're doing. You, you know what? I saw somebody, and they had this this thing right here on their eye. <laughs> and see, that's, the, that's their cute little way of saying, listen, bro, you better not put that on my face. But, you know, you got to catch it, and you keep it moving. You know, y'all got codes. You know, it was it was funny. One day I, 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 I was on the set, and I was there to do makeup, and a female was there to cut the hair, and we were doing a uh-huh. guy. So he walks in, and they say, you go to makeup first. So he's looking for the barber. So he say, um, so, no, he was looking for the, the, the girl to do his makeup. So I waited, and he walked over to me finally, and he say, um, you're the makeup artist? I said, yes. And he got real quiet. And the next thing you know, he said, um, um, bruh, I say, do I look like a brother that would make you look like that? And everybody lost it. We just got out of silence because he was trying his best to get it out. Like, bruh, look, I know you're a dude and I know you do makeup, but I don't want to look like them other dudes that wear makeup. It was hilarious. So, you know, I, I think what just distinguishes me is just, just being natural. Just being natural. Uh, uh-huh. 
And I'm mm. glad that you said that. How do you how do you handle that? How do you handle those difficult clients? Those clients that are not used to um razzle dazzle where you gotta you gotta bring their whole face to life and they're not used to that. They know they don't know how to carry it. But then the ones that's like, wait a minute, now let me tell you how I want it. I need you to do this like this, eat this like this. Okay, don't forget this like this. How do you handle those difficult clients? Um, he got real quiet, day. didn't he, T? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, back in the day, I just learned that I had to take control of my chair. Mm. So when someone is sitting in my chair, you take control. You don't control people. You just control circumstances. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I encourage them, let's talk through what you want to do because I listen. Let's talk through what you want to do. Listen first. Once you listen, you offer a solution. And in those mm-hmm. moments where um, the solutions don't work, I've, I've, I've even in, involved them into the process. And sometimes I beat them to their questions. What I'm doing now mm-hmm. is. This, this, this serum that I'm using now serves to do such and such. Oh, mm-hmm. you, did you feel that? Mm-hmm. Tell me if you're feeling a sensation. Oh, yeah, that's lip pumping. That's perfect. You identified it. So now I'm engaging them in the process. Oh. And that is how, that is definitely one way um, to get over. I remember one, <laughs> one day I was doing another uh, reality star. And she was like, well, first of all, I was like New Jack on the on the on the block. We was a celebrity uh, fashion show, and we had some heavy hitters back there painting. And so when I got to the opportunity to for me to paint, uh, she looked at me because she was expecting one of the heavy hitters, if you would, back in that time, to do her face. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, they was like, we run out of time, you get up and you do it. So I got up, do it. She looked at me and rolled her eyes, and she said, I don't want all of that. Katua on my face, ego. <laughs> Katua. Katua. I said, okay, baby. So I stood there. I stood there. And I, I didn't get engaged. It wasn't, you know, she was only disappointed at the circumstance. It had nothing to do with my, my faith and my, my crap because she didn't know. So right. it was nothing for me to get upset about. And then at the end of the night, man, before the end of the night, probably 15, 20 minutes into the face, and I put that mirror up in her face, and she started, you know, oh, okay, then, you, you all right with the hands. I said, yeah, you call me out in that couture. I say, but uh, we're going to be cool. And, we, and for the rest of the night, we were good. You just cannot uh, get down in the, the emotional trenches with people that you work with. It, it, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing you mm-hmm. want to do, and also I want to speak to the artists that are out there, there's a certain way that we handle everything. Our code of ethics is different from the code of ethics from different things. Even Mm -hmm. when people come at you, they blow your head up and and make you feel bad. And, I mean, sometimes you walk around town with your heart ablaze, but you absolutely Mm. have to take the high road every time. It's okay. Even a fool looks wise when he doesn't say anything. Mm. So you have to learn. (laughs) how to control your emotions so you can control what's coming out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. 
Because at the end of the day, all you want to do is get paid. Mm. That's right. You get paid. But you want to well, get you know. paid, baby. You're there for a check and a lifestyle. Yes. You better tell it. Mm. You better talk about it. But I want to <laughs> I want to say one thing about mm-hmm. these mean eyebrows. What's what's going on, Sheldon? With these mean eyebrows. Okay, talk to me. Wearing. I don't understand the okay. mean eyebrows. What's going on with them? Okay, so here's the thing. Miss um, Gwyneth Mosby of the Gwyneth Mosby Makeup Academy, that's my baby and my teacher, and um, I'm alumni, shameless plug of uh, the Gwyneth Mosby Makeup Academy. Um, she calls them crime scenes. Oh. Oh. Because think about it. You, 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 got tape, you got something drawn around the the body that that white chalk and mm. they get the eyebrows and they get the lighter concealer and they go under it. Here's the thing: makeup is an art. I can't tell you how to do your art, mm-hmm. but what I can suggest is when you're doing eyebrows, there are a number of ways you can do it. If you want your eyebrows to look natural, more natural, use powders. Yeah. I think what is yeah. happening is because women are they, they like the crispness of the actual um, uh, brow. They use pomade. Pomade is a cream and it's distinct. So when mm-hmm. it's put on, it, it sometimes okay. it can pronounce if the touch is not light. Oh. And one of the okay. interesting ways to do it is if you get a you, you you trace your bottom line with your pomade and then just get a light powder and move up into the brow. Sometimes it'll give you that distinction and it will give you the 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 the, the faintness or the density if you will depending on um the actual face and the tone of the face. Because really sometimes the size and the color of the skin makes it look a lot more intense than what it really is. Mm. You better you think about a book and teach a class. There's some folks out here that need to know some of these things. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Let me know inboxes. I said it. I'm so tired of these mean eyebrows and the eyelashes that look like bat wings and everybody flying away to go see Toto and Dorothy. Yes, I'm tired of it. Oh, not the bat wings, please. Yeah, and you know what, though, in, in, interesting enough, you know, that there's a concept that I use in putting on um, eyelashes. If you ever um, just, some, some women, of course, you know, you have um, different um, length um, lash lines. Some are short, some are medium, and some um, can be exaggerated depending on the eye. And, but for the ones that, that are kind of small and you can't fit a lash on it, but you actually want the drama, um, but mm-hmm, you can't mm-hmm. um, support the length. Mm-hmm. What hap- so what you do is you take your lash, always uh, loosen up your band on your lash, back and forth, back and forth like a, a xylophone because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you want to loosen it up because that helps it make the contour. Cut it down mm-hmm. the center, put on the end to the center first, Overlap the other one 
with the one from the inner eye to the center of the eye. In this way, when you're putting on the strip lash, you'll have the symmetry that was calculated in the whole design. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you won't lose wow. any of the movement of the lash, because what people do is, what people do is they um, they um, what um, what people do is they actually um, lose again the um, the, the 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 symmetry of the actual lash um, by cutting it off. You know what I'm saying? And then sometimes you're cutting five off the end of the first one, then you cut three off of the end of the next one and you don't have the correct balance. Mm. Oh, wow. That's another good lesson. one. Sheldon, one-on-one lesson. That's right. <laughs> Look, every time I go do my face, I'll be like, now, nah, Sheldon, because, you know, I don't, I don't do my makeup. I do my makeup, but I'm not, I'm I'm just getting into being makeup-y. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I'd be like, Sheldon, so what about? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm learning. I'm learning. I always use myself as an example because I come from the background, and and now I'm up front where I'm out at events more often. I mix with Mm -hmm. people in different industries, and I'm going to different things where sometimes you got to learn how to do a five-minute beat. I didn't know. Somebody had to say, well, this would just get these things and let me just what you do, and you just 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 something real quick, so it look you look put together but natural. See, I like to look natural. I don't like to look like I'm all over the place. But you have to learn those things. You got to learn the image. You know, if you can't Absolutely. get your hair done, like what can you do? You got you know you got to know these things because you got to stay Thank ready, God, so you ain't wraps. got to run around getting ready. Mhm. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, you but don't hear unless you Just in case. Oh, okay. <laughs> just in case, Sheldon Horton is available. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you coming to Atlanta? No, you coming to Atlanta? I need to go to Atlanta just do my makeup. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Now, here so on the chat, we like to. So you were saying here on Yep, here on the chat. We like to do something fun. So T always comes okay. up with the fun question, so I'm excited. I don't know how excited you're going to be, but I'm excited to see what she got. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say, just clutch your brush, and it's going to be all right, but it's going to be fun. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be a fun, simple one tonight because uh, he shared so much with us, and I can go in any direction, but I'm going to stay in the makeup. Uh, Lane. But Sheldon, once again, thank you so much for joining Alicia and I and spending some of your valuable, valuable, precious time here on Absolutely. our chat. We appreciate you. But but your Absolutely. fun question is, you are on you are on a sinking ship and you only have uh, two things, three things that you can take before this ship sinks. Your two pockets, you have three items. What is your one, two, three items that you would grab that you absolutely cannot leave behind on a sinking ship? Oh, wow. I don't know if that was an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could go deep, but I thought that wouldn't be fitting for you. Give us three items that you cannot leave on a sinking ship. <laughs> well, one item I can't say in public. Um, no, I'm joking. Um, I, oh. 
if I'm dying, if, if, if I'm dying, I'm trying to live, honey. I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever I get, I get some more when I get off. I mean, I don't know about that one, sis. You got me on that one. I okay, got so you on that you one. Do? What would you what, say? What I would take, I would take my lip gloss, my Mac red lip gloss, some mascara, and my favorite perfume. Okay, so I tell you what, if you're on a plane, it would be just it would be just like that. I ain't shit. Uh, all right now. And so we listen, would love to know what that one I item you you can't mention. Listen, <laughs> I, I DM you. <laughs> I will DM you. Yes, I will DM you. I love but, it. But yeah. Okay. Welcome. Hello. Hey, ladies. 
Hey, thanks so much for joining us, Sarah, this evening. Yes, it's been a, it's a pleasure. <laughs> now, for all of those who are not aware of your fabulous talents as a PR person, tell everybody oh, just a little bit about your journey. A little bit about my journey. Oh, okay, great. Um, okay, so I got into PR because I started off as a um, news reporter um, for a news station um, back when I went to University of Alabama. Um, so about four years ago. So I'm a little, I'm new in the game. <laughs> and um, so once that kind of just really didn't work out and I just, you know, I had been out there reporting and doing my media, I just, you know, I got encouraged by a friend and said, you know what, like, we really need to, you know, do our own thing. Like, you know, we have a lot of skills we've obtained. We, you know, we can shoot, we can edit, we can write. Like, you know, let's really, you know, let's do this. And I really, I got into PR. Like, I had already, you know, gained a lot of contacts, a lot of interest in media back in um, back at my school. And um, that's really how my journey started with PR. And I built relationships, I connected, and I've been doing it ever since. So yeah. that's just a small view, yeah. So I oh. have the, the question that everybody asks. When do they right. know they need a publicist? When do they know oh. they need a publicist? That is really an interesting question, and I will tell you, a lot of people will, you know, kind of get ahead of themselves and think, oh, I need PR, I need marketing, and those are two different things. And you need a publicist when you have a a brand or a business, and a lot of times we skip steps where they'll come out with, a, they've already came out with their product or their book, and then they'll say, oh, we need a publicist. A publicist should have been already in place prior to that new book or that new service or new project or new business because we need to get the media of the world loves fresh. They love something new. They love something that they can relate to. So you want to go ahead. If you're starting on something now or you have some ideas, it's really great to start talking with a publicist or someone in media or some contacts because you want to go ahead and start building those relationships so that when that idea or that business venture comes into fruition, it's, it's, you're going to be on and popping, you know, you're going to be, you already connected. All you have to do is just lay out the foundation. Um, and I think a lot of people um, really just, they don't go through that. They just, they go ahead and put it out. They do it themselves. And then they find out that it hasn't been as successful as it may have should have been um, because they haven't built a new relationship. They just threw it out there. They didn't plan. They didn't even consult with anyone. And it doesn't take, you know, it's, 20 minutes you can talk to the publicist and see what you need to do and how that publicist can alter the story and make it newsworthy or catchy or attention-grabbing to that journalist or that media or that person that you want to write about or, you know, put on your put on their show. So um, mm-hmm. really before we, we come out with a new, new idea, new project. Absolutely. Oh. Now, I want you to just explain a little bit about what a publicist does, because I think a publicist, they get, people get publicists confused. Whew. A publicist can do it. <laughs> Wait a minute. like, child, let me take me a drink on that one, because yes, they do. <laughs> publicists, you know, I will, you know, and that's, that's a really good thing. Publicists are very, we are looked at as, like, the tooth fairy that comes in and magically <laughs> puts like an interview and everything just in your lap, like it's just going to work like that. Um, we we can save the day, um, but it 
we have to have a very good communication with the team and with you as a client. Um, you need, um, or a publicist, our day-to-day is really we're writing. We're constantly researching, constantly. <laughs> if we see anything in the best interest of our client, we're always, you know, we have our client at the top of mind, uh, whatever it may be. If our, my client has come to me, um, especially in the initial process, and say, you know, I really want to, you know, get in front of nonprofits and things like that, then, you know, I want to, you know, look at something that they are going to be ideal for. I don't just, you know, we don't just place you just anywhere just to say, oh, you know, we've set you up an interview. You have to be, you have to be working efficiently in your, in your brand. You know, we, we want to make sure that you're profitable and, and that you are very well known. So we're constantly researching. We're constantly writing. Um, we're setting up. We're like the, media, the, the medium person right there. Like we're saying, you know, send up interviews and say, hey, does this work in the schedule? So that's our day-to-day. Um, that's pretty much, you know, and then crisis management. Something comes, you know, comes up for your brand, then, you know, we're trying to, you know, alter it and fix it and, you know, make it look all pretty <laughs> just so that mm-hmm. our client will look the best that they can be because our client also reflects our brand as opposed to this as well. So anything that pops, mm-hmm. pops off, you know, we need to be the first responders to a situation, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So y'all thinking mm-hmm. y'all Olivia Popo. We have to. We have to, okay? Because at the end of the day, you know, a publicist is all about that person's image, that client's image, and as well as our own. So. Mm-hmm. And wow. how do you do Sarah, that? Go mm-hmm. ahead, see. No, I was going to say, um, this is Tony, Sarah. It, it sounds a lot like um, an agent. Is there much difference between an agent and a publicist? There is, um, in a sense, you know, a publicist, we're dealing with the media contacts. Um, we're dealing with, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, setting up those interviews and, you know, writing and pitching you. An agent does a little bit more. They're more on the business side. But those are some great, mm-hmm. they're, they have a great relationship together. Um, just because mm-hmm. if an agent is working on a business adventure for you or, you know, dealing with the money side, we need to know that just so that something changes when a client is maybe being interviewed or something like or a write-up. Those are things that we may need to feature or we need to talk about. So not necessarily we don't necessarily book. Um, that 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 can be you know if the client does ask for that or that is something that they do. Um, but it's all about that media exposure. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Now you know branding. Our, our topic today is more branding, more branding, more branding. I think that you know a lot of times that people don't understand. Um, branding, and we had uh, our fabulous guest. We had Sheldon uh, H. Yeah. Horton on, and he said he made a good comment and a statement. He said branding is automatic or intentional. And mm-hmm. how do you how do you feel about that branding being automatic or intentional? Well, um, I do. I, I, that's a very very interesting point. Um, it is you. With, when you're, we brand ourselves every day, you know, we may not look at it or we may not think of it, and we need to always put our best foot forward, um, whether that's the way we see it, whether that's the way we, um, you know, what we wear, that is, that's autom- we need to always be ready. Um, so I do think that is an intentional thing. We need to always think, like, um, if I want some potential business or I want a uh, client, I want to make sure that I am I'm ready. You know, you always want to be ready. You want to be available for opportunities. And so I do think I agree with his statement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. He gave some great jewels as far as branding. And, and one of the ones that he gave that when I put a star was always make it your, make make it work for you, always make it yours. And I think that can go across the board and as well as, you know, publishing is, is, is concerned. How do you feel about how do you make your publishing clients your own, your own work? How do I what now? Like he had given us, always make your work yours, you know. And as a publicist, how do you give your special take, your Sarah Bugsby uh, spin on things that they can't get anywhere else? Ooh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, okay. Um, putting my special touch on something. Wow, let me think about that. Because I do a lot of different things with that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of like my day-to-day skills, like how do I really kind of work with my clients? Is that kind of what you mean? Right. Okay. Um, I'm very, well, my special touches, I am, a lot of times I'm always a step ahead of them. Um, so I'm always, even though I could be way far, you know, out the way, but I'm always in preparation stage. And I think what's really mm-hmm. good about me as a business professional and um, as a publicist, I'm always thinking of, you know, look, this is where we are. I'm a planner. So, and like I said, we research. I sit down mm-hmm. with them and I kind of provide, you know, mentorship with them. Like I'm, I'm mentoring them in different things. And I want them to think about, because a lot of times people, uh, they'll come to me or they'll say different things and say, oh, I want to do this and do that. And I always like to, you know, mentor them on different things on, okay, this is where we are and this is where you want to be, but let's try this. And, you know, I think because mm-hmm. I, I talk to them, I take out the time to talk to them and really mentor them and let them see and show them examples. People are very visual. So when I show them, I take out that time and I meet with them and, and I show them different statistics or different things that I've seen and things that I would like for them to try. But it's all about how you present mm-hmm. yourself. Um, I think that gives it a special touch. And, you know, it's a come around, you know, after you sit down with a client. Um, but, yeah, I'm a very informative person. So I think that really gives um, – my social touch, um, I'm very, I like to be there, I like to see what's going on, you know, so I'm very present. So I really think that's, you know, besides my bubbly personality, but, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's really how I get my uh-huh. social work. Uh-huh. It's good. Mm-hmm. That's true. No, I said it's good to be a step ahead because you don't, it's better than being a step behind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You want to be prepared for anything. You want to look mm-hmm. and see. Exactly. I always, I always tell, you know, people think that their competition is, or they think people in their same field is competition. And not necessarily, mm-hmm. not all the time. A lot of times we get referrals from people that's in our same field of work. Um, sometimes, you know, you have to look at things. I tell people, it's like, you know, don't look at it so negative. Let's look at the positive. Mm-hmm. Let's see what they're doing. Let's see how their audience is growing and how we're stagnating over here or how you've been stagnating, where are you doing? So once people look at that and they kind of, you know, kind of humble themselves down a little bit, they say, okay, you know what, you're right. Maybe I should, I get, they get to the bottom line. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Now you have a lot of people that, especially um, authors, not even just authors, because, you know, everybody isn't marketable. And so, and, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's not that they're not marketable; they just don't know how to be marketable. 
So how do you handle those clients, those difficult clients, where you got to pull them out of their shell to get them where you need them to be? Yeah, that's a very good point. A lot of people are not marketable. Um, and that, with that being, it's, it's very difficult to deal with them because when you're dealing with a client and they want PR, okay, they need to be present, meaning they need to be available for different opportunities that you set out for them. So I have to just talk to them and say, hey, you know, this is what this is what we need. This is what I've, we've already talked about. This is what's best for you. Um, I just have to kind of tug there a little bit. We have to kind of see – I have to see what their strengths are. Um, a lot of times, you know, if we know what, a, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, we can work on that prior to, you know, putting them out there. Because, you know, you don't, want, you don't want to make a person, you know, feel uncomfortable and then they stage up and they're not, you know, doing their best or providing the best information for, you know, their book or their service or anything like that. But um, I think it's a lot of counseling that goes in with being a publicist with a client and letting them know, like, hey, this is, this is what we have to do. You have to be a little stern with them, you know, <laughs> because they're coming to you. They want exposure. And the only way you're going to get exposure if you're present and you're available um, you can't just always, oh, you know, I can't do this, or I'm not. No, we let's just coach it. Let's just get through this. Let's coach it through. So um, it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle, I will say. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about branding and image and marketing. Um, what okay. are five jewels you would drop on? Um, a client or anyone who who's entering into um, that phase in their life where you're already a brand, you just don't know it yet. Um, mm-hmm. What are five tools you would drop on them? Okay. Um, I will say I want people to understand there's not there's no overnight success. Okay, a lot of times we will know, okay, um, I have a brand or I have a business, I have a great idea, I have a great story, and I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do that. I need people to be very patient. There's a process to everything, and you need to, you know, really kind of just really just focus. I, my mom always used to tell me, she said, you know what, you need to focus. You need to focus on the main goal, the main prize. Um, and so I, I really want people to understand that it's definitely a process. Um, mm-hmm. Be patient. Be and when that opportunity does come, be ready. The worst thing you can do is not be ready and not be prepared. Don't ever be caught somewhere or without your business cards or, or anything about your business because, I mean, you're the business, you're the brand, you're the face. So you always want to be ready. Um, I would say right now, if you are trying to get into um, this new business or whatever you're trying to do, start creating your relationships now. Okay, because you're going to always continue. I mean, we always are, are creating our relationships and growing our relationships. But you need to be, if you haven't, you need to be out networking or not even networking. You need to be talking. You need to be, you know, nobody, closed mouths don't get fed, right? So you need to be really putting yourself out there, letting people know, you know, what you want to do. Not, you don't have to go into major, major detail, but you want to start picking people's brains and kind of just, you know, being out there and start talking. Um and like I said earlier, you know, this is where we're, we're relatable, you know. So people will connect to your store before they connect to, you know, what you're trying to sell or what you have on like a book or a product or anything. They want to connect to you. So you want to make sure while mm-hmm. you are out there, in the, you know, in the process of 
you know, marketing and growing yourself and trying to create relationships, you want to make sure that you're relatable, that people can understand you so that you can increase your following, have a great following. And I think, you know, and the last one I would say be very humble. Be very humble in this process. Um, like I said, it is a process, so you want to be very humble. You don't want to get ahead of your, get too much ahead of yourself. It's okay to plan ahead, but also be humble of where you are. So, mm, that was a good one. <laughs> that was good. I got my list down. I told you. I told Me too. You, I tried to, we tried to told y'all that y'all gonna need a pencil and a paper on this evening. So I got my I got my stuff down. It, I think life experiences. I, I got think, my notes. I think life. I think life is what, you know, made me come up with some of those thoughts. You know, it can get hard when you, you know, graduate and you think, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It's a process. You have to humble, <laughs> you have to humble yourself and trust the process all the way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because wow. life will humble you real quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It will do it. It will do it for you real quick. It really will. <laughs> well, you know, here on the chat, we like to do something fun. But before we do, I have one more question. So if somebody wanted to get a publicist, what would be the roundabout fee um, they would be looking at to bring a publicist mm-hmm. on top of the team? Ooh, okay. Now, you have to be a little bit more specific. Um, is it just what would they be needing? Exactly. The, the average one, cost. You're the, the average cost. Mm-hmm. You're looking at it's definitely over a thousand. It's definitely retainer. It's definitely over a thousand monthly. Mm-hmm. Definitely um, for a retainer to retain a publicist, um, it's definitely that a monthly. And so when you retain a publicist, it's not just um, I don't know. Some publicists do this. I haven't found any. Um, they do project based, but with the publicist, you don't just get a publicist for a month. Because a lot of times placements just don't happen in a month. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So right. you know mm-hmm. you have to. This is a long term commitment. This is you know just like we can have a lawyer on, on retainer, we can have a makeup artist on retainer. You know these are these. You know we we got to get you know get fed. We can't you can't just oh well, I don't see an interview today, so you know it's over. <laughs> you know this, mm-hmm. this is a job. So this is an ongoing contract. So yeah. I love it. Mm. Now, here on Let's Chat, we like to do something fun because we like to show, I think when we showcase um, people and their talent on here, I think it's important when we have people that um, people may need. And we like to get them educated. We also want to know or get them to know that person um, internally just, just because a lot of people vibe off energy. So T mm-hmm. always comes up with these fun questions that just allow our <laughs> listeners just to get a little snapshot of what you got on the inside. Well, you know, oh. the fun side. Oh. So I'm excited about what she got there. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Sarah. You you really got me stumped here tonight. I'm trying to think of a fun question, but I think I got one. I think I got one for you. We're going to need your publisher hat. So, but first, thank you so much for joining me, Alicia, here tonight on this chat. We know your time is valuable. We appreciate you sharing it with us. But um, as a publicist, you have a your client. Now, we love hearing Creative Juices Flow. Your client is Hot Cocoa. 
and the place that you have to publish him is in Florida. So let us know how you're going to showcase your client, how to sell your client hot cocoa in hot Florida. <laughs> what? <laughs> So a cup of a cup of hot cocoa is your client, and hot cocoa needs to get a Florida fan base. Ooh. Okay. She said, okay. "Ooh." Um, I need to know what hot cocoa does. What does what, what does hot cocoa do? What is it? Hot cocoa? Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. A hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Ooh. Well, um, hmm. I need to see what hot chocolate is doing right now before he even came to me um, and see how we can get him. I assume he needs to, I guess I got to find out what he wants to, what he, what is he doing? What does he want to do? <laughs> like, so I can know where to place him at. You, do you have some more details? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I got to have a little bit more Wait. than that. First of all, I love how you just put him in the male category. She said hot chocolate is a him. I did say, I'm like, okay, hot chocolate now. That sounds like, what's going on now? That sounds real good. So let's see. Like, I need to know what you're doing. What's going on with you, brother? Like, <laughs> we may need some time together, you know? So. <laughs> no, I'm it. just I'm kidding. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. We so appreciate you coming to kick it with us here in the chat room. You are welcome back anytime. Buzz yes. PR is in the building. We want you to shout out all of your social media, your website, where people can reach you, where they can connect with you, and any events you have coming up. Okay, thank you, ladies. Um, you can follow me. I'm Be the Buzz PR. Um, so that's just be alone. T H E B U Z Z P R. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Um, also, if you um, go to my website, it's b t h e b u z z p r dot com. Um, to find out more about um, my business, my services, and also to set up a consultation. Um, so and it's very, um, you know, very uh, specified on, you know, what type of service you're, you know, looking for. So I already know beforehand if it's not PR, maybe branding, um, and maybe some other things, uh, press release or anything like that. Um, and whew, what do I have coming up? I do have some things coming up. I can't really talk about it just yet, but um, oh, well, I'm that excited. ding, ding, ding. We're going to have to have to have you come back on when you can talk about those things so we can get to see. Yes, it's something mm. coming up this fall, so I'm really excited. I would love to. This is wait. Give me some time. Let me. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you once again for joining us here on Let's Chat, and we wish you all the best. And like Lisa said, you're welcome back here anytime. Thank you, ladies. Y'all have a good one. You too. Okay, you too. <laughs> I love her energy. Was, her energy is everything. I love it. I love it. Me too. That was a good. She dropped some jewels on as well. Yeah. We got a night full of jewels, Leash. I got a whole paper of notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Misha, we got some jewels. We got some branding jewels. We got some image jewels. We got some marketing jewels. I mean, they dropping jewels. And now we got the literary lobbyist herself, honey. She about to tear the door down and give us a whole nother two pieces of paper. Um, I hope y'all <laughs> start y'all pencils now. Get a clean piece of paper because she about to give it to you. We got the fabulous Don Michelle Hardy. Welcome, Hi, everyone. Welcome. Hi, can you guys hear me well? Yes, we can. Can you hear me? Okay, cool. Yes, yeah, can I have you? a headset on, so I want to make sure. No problem. <laughs> we love it. Okay, and I am the literary lobbyist. I have been working in publishing since 2002. I got my start working with Terry Woods, author of Truth to the Game. In 2004, I started my PR agency, Dream Relations PR and Literary Consulting. And in 2011, I added to my resume, uh, I became an agent with Serendipity Literary Agency. And how I got the name The Literary Lobbyist, in 2013, Ebony Digital did a career profile for their cool job section. And the writer, he described me as a literary lobbyist in, um, in that mm-hmm. feature. And, and actually this year, you know, in working with a colleague, she basically was like, Dawn, that's what you are. Like you have been lobbying and advocating for authors for the last 16 years. That's, that's who you are. Um, and, and it mm. totally makes sense. And, again, this came from doing an interview with, with Ebony. So it wasn't something that I came up with and said, I'm going to name myself this based on a person interviewing me and seeing the body of work that I did, that was how they described me. And I, and I love it. So I'm, I'm running, I'm, I'm running with it. It works. Wonderful. I love that. Now, being a literary lobbyist, Mm -hmm. you're you're a PR. How do people know when they need an agent? How do they know when they need a PR rep when they are authors? Do they do it before their first book drops? Do they wait till they're seasoned a little bit? What part of their career do they know that they need to bring Don in to, to shape some things up? Okay, well, so as an agent, if a person is looking to get a literary agent, the reason why a person would want a literary agent is because they want a traditional publishing deal. So whether they've self-published before or not, or if this is just their first book and it's on their computer right now, they have made the decision to say, I want to go the traditional route, which means I need to find me a literary agent who will then shop my work and get me a deal with a publishing company. And as a publishing company, I will have an editor, somebody in marketing, somebody in social media, a publicist. I'll basically have a team rallying behind my work. So that's the reason why a person would want an agent is because they want to go the traditional route. And again, you can do that after you self-published um, a book or two, or if you just decide, I don't want to self-publish at all, and I just want to go through the traditional route, then, you know, it's up to the writer. But either way, uh, you can get an agent, but that's why you would come to an agent, because you basically want that, uh, that traditional route and you want that team behind you. Absolutely. Mm. And when would they need a mm-hmm. publicist to come on board? When would they need you so to come in and just make it happen? So there's, there's multiple ways nowadays in which people strategically say, I'm ready to hire a publicist. 
So sometimes that's someone who has done great things on their own um, as a self-published writer, and they are now looking for someone to get them into the corporate side of business, or just basically they're looking for someone to help them expand their reach beyond um, what they were able to do. So, for example, you might be a self-published author, and now you're looking to get distribution, or you've never had your work reviewed in a trade publication. Because, again, the traditional publishing route, if you go with a Penguin Random House or Simon & Schuster or HarperCollins, it's automatic that trade publications are going to get review copies of the author's books. Like, that's just the general standard way of doing business traditionally. If you're self-published, you may not even be aware of what trade journals there are in the publishing industry for romance books or for comic books or for prescriptive nonfiction. So working with me as a publicist, I have those relationships, and I'm aware that if the work is good, there's opportunity to get uh, self-published writers, reviews, and, and features within the trades. And by getting your books in the trades, it now opens it up to the rest of the publishing industry. So libraries and bookstores, the entire industry reads the trade publication. So in hiring a publicist as a self-published author, if you are featured in a trade publication, that now is basically your introduction to corporate and the traditional side of publishing. So now librarians will know about you, bookstore uh, buyers and sellers will know about you, and even people at publishing houses will know about you because everybody pretty much reads those trade publications. So that will be one reason why you would hire a publicist um, as a self-published author once you've already gotten some traction for yourself. But also there are people who are working on their first book and they want to agent and they want to go the traditional route. They have a great book idea. Their writing is good. But now they need to build up their platform. They need to get more media attention around them. They want to do more speaking engagements and podcast appearances and build up their social media so that when they present their work to an agent, they can say, listen, I've built this community of people around me who are interested in the career advice that I give to women. I hired a publicist. Uh, These are some things that we've gotten done before I have a book deal, and now I want to present my platform, which a publicist helped me build, along with my writing in hopes that an agent would represent. Because for agents, what we look for is quality writing, an idea or a story that we personally really believe that we can sell, and then we want to know that the author's platform, that the author is already out there in the media space and in the speaking space and social media space talking about whatever the topic is that they want to talk about in the book. And that's basically just to let people know we have a community. I've already, as a writer, I've already found a community of supporters. So I've done media interviews. I have people who will endorse my book. You know, and I have a reading community who's very much interested in my book coming out. So you can hire a publicist before you even reach out to an agent to help you build your platform because you know that platform is going to be a major deciding factor in you getting a book deal. Or you could be self-published and have gotten – some momentum with your books, and now you're looking for someone to help introduce you into the corporate side of business. Because, again, when people self-publish, they're basically doing everything, you know, from their home, from their computer, and they may not be aware of how the industry at large works, and working with the publicist can help usher you in and introduce you into those mediums. So those would be the two times. You can Mm -hmm. hire a publicist before you even get 
somebody to sign you on for a book deal. And then you can hire someone once you've already um, once you've already got some traction. And then the third would be that you get the book deal. So HarperCollins gives you a book deal, and they say, okay, depending on how long you want to go on promoting this book, you might consider hiring an independent publicist to help you in the areas where your publisher might fall short. So you might say, I want to go on a 10-city tour, and I have networks and connections in those 10 cities, but an in-house publicist may not set up a 10-city book tour for you. It doesn't mean you don't go on a 10-city book tour. It just means that you hire a publicist to help you do that. Or you might be with a publishing company, like for poetry. A lot of small publishing companies for poetry, they don't necessarily have uh, a PR and marketing team. So authors usually have to hire someone to help um, help promote. And in the case, I've worked with a poet, and basically I helped set up his book tour because there was no PR person at the publishing company that did his book. So uh, those are, those really? are opportunities. So before you get a deal, you can hire someone. After you get a deal and you're planning your tour, and as a self-published author, when you're making some traction and you're trying to expand. Hmm. All right. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. Now, Dawn, this is Tony. Now, what if you have a client that doesn't necessarily know or, or just doesn't know which direction they want to go? Do you sit down and have a consultation with them and just determine what's best? I mean, if like a new author was to come to you and not necessarily mm-hmm. know which direction they want to go in? Well, so that's not something, as a publicist, that's not necessarily, like, in the job description. But through Dream mm-hmm. Relations, I also offer uh, consultations. So because I am a publicist and because I'm a literary agent, I have two unique positions within the publishing industry as far as the amount of information that I, that I have access to and the people that I have access to. So the reason I offer consultations right. is basically to share with an author who doesn't know which direction they want to go, I'll share with them, okay, mm-hmm. as an agent, this is what that journey would look like. If you got a deal today, okay. it's going to be about a year to 18 months before your book comes out, um, and this is what the process is, you know, and mm-hmm. let them make a decision on that. I also let them know, in going the traditional route, you know, you're not going to have full control over a lot of things because the publisher is buying the rights to your book. So you give up some mm-hmm. level of control. You know, maybe you'll love the cover mm-hmm. and maybe you won't, but the publisher has the final say, not the author. So in my consultations, mm-hmm. I explain, this is what it looks like if you go the traditional route. And then I explain, if you want to self-publish, this is what it's going to look like. As a self-published author, you are also the publisher. And a lot of times authors spend most of their time on the creative part, which is the writing and coming up with their cover design. And they never really take the time to do a strategic pivot and say, let me put down the creative side and now let me address the business side. The business side is saying, how am I going to market this book? Do I know exactly the audience that I want to market this book to? What strategies do I have in place to get to those people? Do I have distribution beyond Amazon? If I don't have distribution beyond Amazon, do I know what other platforms for distribution are available to me as a self-published author? How much should I price my book for so that it's competitive? Um, You know, so all of those things go into place when you're a self-published author. So I explain that part, and I always make sure that authors understand when you self-publish, you are also the publisher. 
So at that point in time, you have to do a lot of research to understand the business of publishing. There's a reason why certain books are priced at a certain price point. There's a reason why certain books are in the windows at Barnes and Nobles and others aren't. There's even a reason why when you go in Barnes and Nobles, wherever you live, certain books are placed on tables face up and others are not. All of that is strategic. Mm -hmm. So when you're a self-published author, you're coming into an industry that's a billion-dollar industry, and you are in your living room, and you have a book idea and a laptop, and you're entering in on a humble level into this billion-dollar industry. There are standards that are set in place that are not going to be changed because of what you got going on in your living room. So it behooves mm-hmm. you to educate yourself on how this billion-dollar industry is run, and then you can figure out strategically where you can find a spot for yourself. So that's what my consultations mm-hmm. offer. I basically tell authors come to me and they're at a fork in the road, and I say, if you go left, this is what self-publishing looks like. If you go right, this is what the traditional route looks like. And then based mm-hmm. on that, they're able to go off and make a decision um, on which way they want to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Now, have you had yeah. clients that have um, thought about going with more, because, you know, they have the hybrid publishing where, um, it's not the vanity. It's like the vanity publishing mixed with a little bit of yeah. traditional. Have you ever had clients yeah. where it's like, well, maybe? Eh. What, well, oh, that they that they want to go that, that direction. Yeah, yeah. That they want to go in that direction. Well, well, here's here's the thing. The reason why I say eh is because you guys are aware, like you said. Oh, you know, there's hybrid publishers. Most people don't know the term hybrid publishers. So what they just see is publisher. So they don't know mm-hmm. that there's a difference between me setting up a publishing company and using my relationships and saying, I can get your book in Barnes and Noble because I have those relationships, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I can do, get you publicity and stuff like that, all from my living room, the same way a Simon & Schuster could. However, I'm just not going to pay you any money up front and whatever money comes in, we split it 50-50. That's, that's usually how most hybrid publishers work. So it doesn't matter how big or small the company is. A hybrid publisher, 99.9% of the time, is offering you no advance, and it's a 50-50 split on the royalties. So I'm going to foot the bill to bring this book to market. I'm going to pay the cover designer, the editor. I'm going to even have the books printed when it's time. I'm going to do all of that. And you as the author, you just write the book and promote the book, and we go 50-50. That's hybrid publishing. If you get a deal with a Simon & Schuster or HarperCollins or a Macmillan, they're going to give you a certain amount of money up front for you to continue writing the book or a certain amount of money up front for your manuscript, and that's considered an advance. Now, you may not get any more money after that advance unless you earn out, which basically the advances are recoupable. So if I give you $25,000 before you get another check from me, you have to basically have earned that $25,000 plus in sales so that I have gotten my money back as, as a publisher. So the reason, the reason why hybrid publishers are a little tricky is because, again, yes, you are the publisher, so you don't have to foot the bill on hiring somebody to edit your book and do the cover design. But you still will have to hire your own publicist. That's something that you're going to have to do the same way you would if you were, were, were self-publishing. So a hybrid publisher only comes with the team as big 
as the hybrid publisher that you go with. So if I became a hybrid mm-hmm. publisher tomorrow, you know, my, my team might consist of like five to ten people. But there's somebody else that's a hybrid publisher, and their team might just be a husband and wife, you know. So, mm-hmm. and, and they're only doing it off of their limited knowledge versus my team of ten who have all worked inside publishing houses before. So the only reason I would say go with a hybrid publisher is because you're not looking to make a whole bunch of money up front. You really believe in your book and you want it out, and you weren't able to get representation with an agent, and you don't have the finances to do it yourself. So if you don't have the finances to do it yourself and an agent has rejected you and you can't get representation, then that would be a reason I would say consider going to a hybrid simply because you don't have to foot the upfront bill. You don't get any upfront money, but you also don't get the upfront bill. And then you just, everybody just works their butt off to promote the book and any money that comes in, you split it. But the only reason to go mm-hmm. with a hybrid publisher, again, is if you just don't have the money to do the self-publishing mm-hmm. on your own or if you just don't have the know-how and you don't want to experience the learning curve of trying to figure out how to put your book on Amazon and all of that. If you're just like, I don't even want to deal with any of that. I just want to write it, write and promote a book, then that would be a reason to go with a hyper publisher. But again, hyper publishers, they're nine out of 10, there's, there's no advance and it's a 50-50 split. But again, the marketing and publicity and all of that is really only there if, that, if the publisher has those members on their team. But most hyper publishers don't. But I definitely don't believe in a person paying. So there are these companies out there who are calling themselves publishers because I've had authors come to me with the, with the letters saying that they've got a book deal. Um, but you have to pay $3,500. That's no, that's, that's not how that works. Stay away from those types mm-hmm. of deals. If you go to a publisher and they say, yes, we would love to publish your book, we're offering you a book deal, and then later down the line it says in the contract you have to pay them $3,500, Basically, what you're doing is you're paying them to then use their team and expertise to put your book together. So you can do that as a self-published author. Mm-hmm. You know, you can hire your own editor. You can hire your own publicist, your own cover designer as a self-published author. So when you get those smaller companies who say, we would love to offer you, uh, you know, representation for your book, um, and it's going to cost $3,500 for package one and $5,500 for package two, and $7,500 for package three. No, you don't want any of those mm-hmm. packages because, to be honest, because all they're doing is turning around and paying people on their team to put the book together. You could do that. You could do, you could do your research and do that yourself. And nowadays with social media, there's all these writing groups. You can ask well-known authors or people that you see putting out a lot of books. You can simply ask them, you know, in the chat room or in the DM, listen, I'm, I love your covers. I love the work that you're doing. Can you recommend um, can you recommend to me the person that does your cover design? Why, mm-hmm. What author wouldn't want to do that? You know, they're not paying mm-hmm. for it. You know, and that's, that's good business that they're giving to the person who did their cover design. You know what? I love the way right. your books read. Oh, my God, I did, there's no typos. Can you recommend an editor? Okay, I can tell you the editor that I use. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Again, refer, it's easier to get referrals nowadays. So going that hybrid way of paying somebody $7,500 for them to publish a book, I personally just don't really, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of that because I understand mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, it's something that you could do on your own if you just took the time. But if you're lazy and you have the money in the bank, then okay, fine. Pay somebody to do it. If that's the case, you could pay me to do it. 
<laughs> right. You know, exactly. I show you. Yeah. And and listen. <laughs> right. And and I and I can if I think that it's something that an agent can represent, I can refer it to a friend or representing myself. And if I believe that it has legs to get some media, I can do that as well. So in my mind, I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. if you're going to give away seventy five hundred dollars to one of these companies who are saying <laughs> that they're giving you a book deal, listen, mm-hmm. I'm not giving you a book deal, but you got seventy five hundred dollars to spend. I'll, I'll help you, you put one. your book together. <laughs> yes. I'll help mm-hmm. you put your book together. I'll help get you some press. I'll help get you endorsements because I know tons of authors. You know, that's one of the things mm-hmm. that I do as part of my um, PR services. The clients that I work for, if they have new books coming out, is I help them get endorsements from other, um, from other authors, media folks, or whatever makes sense to help basically promote the book. You know, like I'm working on a book mm-hmm. about the mm-hmm. New York Jets. And... Um, I have a general manager, a football general manager who's in the Hall of Fame. I got him to endorse mm-hmm. my client's book. Okay. Because I worked with him before in another football book. So, so that's an endorsement that the author or the publisher didn't have. They came to me for that. Right. But, again, this mm-hmm. is somebody that's in the NFL Hall of Fame, you know, and he's mm-hmm. endorsing my mm-hmm. client's first book. So, again, it's, mm-hmm. it's really about, like, you know, relationships and, and, and know-how. But I'm not. I'm not a fan of the hybrid publishers, personally. Absolutely. Now, do you vet your clients? Like when people come in, if somebody is referred or if they reach out, do you vet them before you take them on? Well, vet in the sense of, um, and and this is actually something I I think I'm I'm going to have to rev it up and and make some revisions uh, to my own business model. But if someone is referred by a client that I've worked with or a colleague who works with me in the industry. So whether that's another agent, an editor, uh, another publicist, the vetting really comes from the fact that whoever referred me, they saw enough in them that they believed that it would, it would, it would be a match. So they knew, like, you know what, based on where you want to go, I definitely believe that Dawn can help you. So um, for the most part, at that point in time, I'll read, you know, read through the materials and if I genuinely like like the content, then I'm like, okay, yes, this is this is something um, that I that I can work with. But I think now one of the things I want to do is, as a publicist, there's so much, and I think I heard uh, Sarah talk about it in the in the earlier segment, um, just about exercising patience, and you know, people wanting like this level of overnight success. It takes months for things to get off the ground. So I feel like now one of the things I want to do is. Um, you know, ask these probing questions to clients. Put them in scenarios, you know. What do you believe is a long amount of time to wait for something? You know, and just let them answer because there's no right or wrong answer. But I need to start asking a series of questions to find out, their one, their level of knowledge about the industry itself, and then, two, what they deem a reasonable amount of time for things to take place. And depending on how they answer those questions, you know, it, it'll let me know that their expectations are speedy or that they have a, a, a good business mind and they understand things take time. Like I'm going to be working with the author who told me out the gate, Dawn, I understand um, that we need to at least be working together for a year for this to really pop off. And, and when she said that, again, she, she works in corporate and she's a business person. So from a business standpoint, she understands Every real relationship, if you really want to see something happen, you really need to spend a year with someone 
to, to make it happen. So from her business seat, she understands that. But there are some authors who think that things should take place in 60 days. So there's a different mindset between the author that says, we need to sign up for a year, and the author that says, it's been 30 days, what's going on? And for me, mm-hmm. I need to lean more towards, um, I'm leaning more towards the people who have a business acumen that says, I understand that it takes a year to get things going. Because then you can really mm-hmm. nurture and, de- and, develop, and develop the relationship. So mm-hmm. right now, my vetting nah. is, most of my clients, yeah, most of my clients come from referral. So beyond me just reviewing the content itself, the fact that they're referred to me, um, that usually is the extent of, of my vetting process. But I'm, I'm going to dig a little deeper now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I love wow. that. Now, you know, mm-hmm. Harold, we like to do something a little fun. We love our guests to come on. We love them to be able to educate and share uh, their brand and the things that and the jewels that they can drop on others. But we also like to mm-hmm. show the little their personality and the fun side um, because it's all really about energy. A networking, creating relationships is, is really about the energy yeah. that people share. So Tony always comes up with yeah. These I, fun, heard, fun I heard I heard your little I heard your little <laughs> giggle with Sour. Don't ask me about the stripper. No, because I, I, I was I was laughing. I said, oh, okay, well first I'm just going to assume that he's a stripper, and then. <laughs> yeah. Okay, with his name stripper? like that, right, Mr. Chocolate? Uh, yep, yep, he's a stripper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was fun, though. But, Dawn, thank you so much for joining us. And you have definitely dropped some major jewels on us and our listeners, so we so appreciate you sharing that with us. Oh, thank you. But your fun question involves a 64-count box of crayons. <laughs> okay. okay. You, are, you, you are a crayon in a box. You can even make up a color. And if that okay. if the color is in the box, what color would you be and why? Or you could just make up your own fabulous color. Okay, well, um, I lean towards uh, a fuchsia, a hot pink, and I think I would call mm-hmm. it jazzy berry. And Ooh, what oh. I like about that color is, um, growing up, I, I loved the color red. When I was younger, everything red attracted me, like red lipstick, red shoes, red cars. Just I love the color red. It's something about red as, as a child that just fascinated me. Um, but as I got mm-hmm. older, like in business, I feel like red is used so much. Um, and, you know, when it comes to red cars, those are the cars that get stolen the most and, uh, you know, are considered like loud and obnoxious if it's like a sports car or something like that. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of skewed away from, um, from red so much. But the next color in the prism that I really felt like just connected to my heart with like that fuchsia and, and hot pink. And I like it because um, it's, it's feminine, but it's also fun. Like when I look at, when I look at hot pink, I always, I always mm-hmm. think fun and I always see like a good time. And, you know, for me, I, I, I have that type of person. I like to have fun and I don't take myself too seriously. So for me, I would be the hot pink crayon. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Yeah, and also, also that can exhibit a little bit of confidence as well as that power. You know, it depends on what flavor yeah. of the, the jazzy berry hot pink. <laughs> yeah, and for me, I really like colors. Like when I first uh, became an agent, and we would go to meetings, um, you know, at the publishing companies. 
for me, my background was in fashion. So I would always be wearing heels and, and, and bright colors. But most people in publishing is very traditional in their, in their color palettes, very Banana Republic, Liz Claiborne, J. Crew type of, type of color palettes. So then in walks me, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the hot pink on or uh, orange blazer <laughs> or something like that. So, again, it's, it's that spice of life, and I'm confident enough that I'm like, yeah, okay, it's not, I'm not trying to draw attention to myself. I just don't take myself mm-hmm. so seriously where the blacks, the blues, the grays, and the browns, they just don't do it for me. Oh, you know, that's so, awesome. um, yeah. yeah, that, that pop of color. <laughs> yes, yes, I am the pop of color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, that I like nice. that. That's a good one. We so thank appreciate you. you coming and kicking with us here on the chat room. You know that you are super busy, but we thank you for taking time out with us. We want you to shout out all of your social media, website where people can con- connect with you, um, any events you're going to be attending, or any events your clients will be attending. Oh, absolutely. So um, anyone can sign up for subscribe to the website and sign up for my newsletter at Dream Relations, D-R-E-A-M, relationspr.com, dreamrelationspr.com. Um, I definitely invite you to follow me on Instagram at the literary lobbyist. Um, I'm loving the stuff that I'm doing now under, under that moniker. And I am also doing my first webinar Saturday, July 28th at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and you can find that on lit, the literary lobbyist uh, and Eventbrite as well. So um, what, what the first webinar is basically about is helping people who know they want to write a book, but they're not 100% sure if the idea they have um, is marketable and they, they need some suggestions. So I'm basically going to help people to fine-tune their ideas and then also help them to have an understanding of which direction they should go once they've solidified what their idea is. So this webinar is for anybody who wants to write a book or is writing a book, um, self-published or not, and is basically looking to figure out what their next book should be and which way should they go to publish it. Should they go to the self-publishing side or traditional based on the type of book that they want to put out. So that webinar, again, is on July 28th at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, and it's going to be on Zoom. And, again, you can find that information on my uh, Instagram page at The Literary Lobbyist. Awesome. You keep doing what you're doing because you're doing some major powerful things, and uh, you are always welcome back here, Dawn, anytime. Thank you very much, ladies. I appreciate it. We appreciate you. You have a great evening. All right, you ladies too. Have a good weekend. You too. You too. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow, we are flooded with jewels tonight. I got my notes already. I hope y'all took notes because I told y'all, make sure y'all got a pencil and paper. Um, I think that branding is very important. Image is very important. And in order to market yourself properly, you got to know what kind of package you are. Um, That's all part of the eye candy. Um, Your image, your personality, that's all part Mm -hmm. of the eye candy. That's all part of the packaging of your brand. I think it's very important. I want to touch on something that uh, Sheldon said because he mentioned integrity. Every Mm -hmm. industry gets tainted from time to time. You have to go through that industry with integrity because 
it's very important. So you got to have that. I'm glad that he mentioned that because that is it's so easy for someone else to taint your brand. It's easier for them to taint your brand than for you to taint your brand. You know what I'm saying? Somebody else can taint it faster because word of mouth travels faster than anything else. So I want you guys just to be mindful of who you attach to your brand, who you connect with, and, and and where you attach it, because sometimes you can inadvertently attach it to something that you don't want to even be attached to. You know what I'm saying? So you got to watch that. Mm-hmm. Be humble. Be good to everybody. Support everybody. I, I just I'm really really a fan and a believer that uh, of supporting people. And this is the thing about supporting people, or or blessing people with with your support. Just because you support them does not necessarily mean they will support you. Blessing someone else, you have to be able to bless people and support people and be good to people whether they return it to you or not. Because it's going to get returned to you. It just may not come from them. And I think think it was Elton um, Sheldon that said sometimes we get caught up in people. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, you got to be careful of that. So that's my that's my take on it. We had some fabulous guests today. They dropped dropped some fabulous jewels. Um, you are branding. It is automatic. It or it's intentional. But either way, when you first take that first step, you are a business. Mm-hmm. You are a brand, and you have to move accordingly. If you feel that you need a PR person, if you feel that you need an agent, if you feel that you need something. To help you, first of all, you got to have a team. I don't care if you're signed to a publisher or not. You have to have a team. you got to have mm-hmm. people that are for you. And so I'm glad we were able to connect and bring these people on because you got to have a team. I like how Sarah said you have people on retainer. You have a lawyer on retainer just like you got a makeup artist on retainer. you got a stylist on retainer. You need a team, a team that's all about you and pushing you where you need to get to, mm-hmm. packaging you up and moving your brand far further. Mm-hmm. Right. And each guest brought different aspects of the business that they can use, you know. Everybody bought something different and unique, but it's all based on being successful in this business. Absolutely. And success is is, is temporary. You know what I'm saying? It's only as you're always rebranding yourself. Everybody rebrands themselves. You don't just come out in, in, in one day and be like, oh, I made it. Everybody knows who I am. And then, you know, sit back years and later, do nothing else. Everybody knows you, right. And then five years later, nobody knows you. Why? Because you have to now reinvent yourself. You have to rebrand yourself, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with rebranding and getting yourself together. Nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. Because the mm-hmm. ultimate goal is to get where you're trying to go. You got visions. You have desires. You have things that you want to do. Sometimes you, just like in a, writing a book, you need an outline sometimes. You know, that, that mm-hmm. outline is there. It's there as a road map. It's there to help guide you. It's there to keep you organized. It's there to keep you focused. Sometimes you need those people around you. You need a PR person to be able to keep you organized, keep you focused. You might need an assistant. You might need this. You might need that. But you got to have those things. And so always, mm-hmm. always invest in yourself. If you're not willing to invest in yourself, stop looking for other people to invest in you. Yeah, I said it. That's right. That's right. And do your research. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do your research. Know what you know because you know it. Not because someone told you, not because you thought it might be right, but know what it is for real. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We appreciate y'all coming to kick it with us on tonight. We will see you fabulous people on next week. Next week we have a Wednesday show and a Thursday show. Our Wednesday show is going to be hot, and our Thursday show is going to be special. We have the fabulous um, Kimberla uh, Roby Lawson will be kicking it with us um, here on Last Chat, so I'm excited about that. We will see you guys next week. Have a great weekend. It's crazy, man. I woke up this morning and realized that I'm close to 50 years old now. And the young boys out here act like my life is over with. So it got me to thinking, man, like, what if I could go back in time? I wish you know this.